Hey guys, it's Lindsay with NBC Media. Thanks for listening to our podcast and be sure to look at our website for events that you can get involved in. See you next Sunday. I have been going through in my daily devotions um, a subject. It's called the Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's a 31-day study. But uh, as I was going through that again this week, I kind of thought it's something we don't, don't, I haven't really preached on. I've talked about the Holy Spirit. I generally will not do a series on the Trinity uh, because if the Bible doesn't try to explain it, then it's very difficult for me to do that. But uh, we do have a lot of information and a lot of biblical reference to the Holy Spirit, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll be looking at uh, Romans 8, if you want to uh, turn to that, Romans 8, 2 through two through 15, I believe it is, or 2 through 16, I'm sorry. And today I'll be reading out of the uh, the um, Christian Standard Bible, which was the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's basically the same thing. Uh, they just took out the Holman because some people, well, obviously Holman is affiliated with Lifeway, and people started thinking it was a Baptist Bible, so they took out the Holman. But it's basically the same thing. So um, before I read that, well, let's go ahead and read it now. Romans 8, 2 through 16. Romans 8, 2 through 16. And follow along as I read. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of, of the flesh. But these who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies in <clears throat> mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's Son. 
For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Today we're going to look at uh, one of the, well, what might possibly and probably the most controversial, the most misunderstood and least used doctrines in Scripture and in churches today. That is the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is God's power. In the New Testament, He, he is the third person of the Trinity. There are many different thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go on, I want to say that the Holy Spirit is not a ghost, a ghost that we think of as ghosts. The word in Hebrew and Greek means wind and spirit. You cannot see it, but you can feel the effects. Some people conjure up all sorts of opinion on who or what and how or what the Holy Spirit is. But we'll look today at what I think are the very basics of what we believe as Christians and as Baptists. Whatever else Christians might say concerning the Holy Spirit, I believe that there are basically four primary different aspects or functions of the Holy Spirit. Or we may call it, or the work of the Holy Spirit. Or as this devotion that I'm reading throughout this month, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we'll just break this down into four different uh, four different functions. First would be convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. In John 16, 8, Jesus tells his disciples that this was the first priority of the Holy Spirit. If you want, you can turn in with me to that, 16, 8. And it says, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me give you an example. And this comes from R.C. Sproul in his book, The Holiness of God. A golfer was playing in a tournament with President Gerald Ford, fellow, fellow pro Jack Nicholas, and Billy Graham. Wouldn't you love to join that foursome? After the round was over, one of the other pros on the tour asked, Hey, what was it like playing with the president and Billy Graham? The pro said with disgust, I don't need Billy Graham stuffing religion down my throat. With that, he headed for the practice tee, and his friend followed. And after the golfer pounded out his fury on a bucket of golf balls, he asked, Was Billy a little rough on you out there? The pro sighed and said with embarrassment, no, he didn't even mention religion. Interestingly, Billy Graham had said nothing about God, Jesus, or religion, yet the golfer stomped away after the game, accusing Billy of trying to ram 
religion down his throat. And I find that to be an interesting illustration of how the Holy Spirit interacts in our life, convicts us of the sinful things going on in our lives. He doesn't have to ram it down our throat. We just feel like it's being rammed down our throat because the Holy Spirit is convicting. Just like this golfer was thinking about Billy Graham, where Billy Graham never said a word. Once the Spirit convicts and the one convicted opens their lives to Christ, then the Holy Spirit, and we'll go to our second point now, the Holy Spirit indwells. Every Christian that has ever lived and who will ever live has the whole of the Holy Spirit residing within them. It's not some special incantation, some kind of thing you have to do to get the Holy Spirit after you receive Christ as your personal Savior. The Holy Spirit indwells within you immediately when you pray to God to forgive you of your sins and to come and live in your life, to come and, and, uh, to come and save you, I should say. His presence in the Christian is the assurance, the seal of, of God that he will bring the believer into the completeness of Christ. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, look at those verses with me. We're given the promise concerning the Holy Spirit. Again, 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22, and this is out of the ESV. And it says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put a seal, put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. What Paul is saying is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is God's pledge that will indwell every Christian for greater things to come. That greater thing to come, I believe, is heaven. That's His seal on us. His indwelling is our security. It's our promise. The issue here is that you as a believer don't have the Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit doesn't have you. When you become, as I said before, when you become a Christian, immediately you have all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. The problem is, is that we don't give the Holy Spirit all of us. Hmm. The Holy Spirit will not just take up residence, but He also inspires he inspires us he inspired the writers to pen the scriptures through illumination he guided each word and he still inspires people today you don't think so how about these folks that are writing these songs that we sing every sunday I have a personal friend, David Hampton. He played the keyboard and organ at our wedding. And now he's a writer. And I know without a writer of songs, 
And I know without, with, uh, without a doubt that he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write those songs that he records and that he publishes. I know that. Pastors, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak the words that we have each and every Sunday. Believe me, folks, you don't want coming out of my just my brain. Be assured it's the Holy Spirit as I work on these things is convicting me on what to say and what to research and what to look at and sometimes to what he also repeat from somebody else that's smarter than me. But he inspires us. He prods, he pushes, and he pricks the heart and the mind to do right and to do good. The Holy Spirit I don't know who said this, but I found it. I said the Holy Spirit is not the divine equivalent of Walt Disney's Jiminy Cricket. Now, for you that are under the age of 30, you probably don't even know who I'm talking about. But you who do know who Jiminy Cricket was. He's not your conscience, but he is still that little, small, still voice that inspires us to speak, to serve, and to action. It's the Holy Spirit that encourages us when we are down, motivates us when we want to give in. He stimulates us to do the right, the right thing, even when it's hard to do so. Today, this week has been a challenging week for me. I heard about Brother Ferd. And Brother Ferd was a, you know, I've known Brother Ferd a lot longer than what I knew him. He was interim here for a couple of years, but I've known him for a long time. I, I, it, it, how should I say, it touches me when I find out that a man of God passes away. Then Edie's brother passes away, and I know that we haven't seen Lonnie around here in a long time, but I've seen Lonnie. I went to the house and got an opportunity to, to talk to him when he was still in fairly good health. And then we get this newspaper article this week. 17 years ago, a man that I knew as a youth pastor is accused of having sexual relations with a couple of girls that are in was in his congregation. And that bothers me. It really, really bothers me. Folks, we are not without sin. Now, I will say this. What he's accused of doing, the girls were over 18, but the fact of the matter is it's wrong. There's not a a legal problem so much as there is a spiritual problem. And what has happened now, this guy 17 years later is a senior pastor at a large church in Minnesota and being considered for a church that I go by very often, First Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. That's not going to happen. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to downplay what he did was wrong. And the problem was is that if you look into this, you'll know who his boss was when he was here in Evansville. 
That hurts me. It hurts me when I hear anyone that is in a pulpit gets accused and, po- and probably did commit a horrendous act. It's been a challenging week. There are other things going on that I won't get into, but other things going on. But one thing that I can tell you is that the Holy Spirit can help us in our lowest times, can motivate us, can comfort us in these times. And because He indwells and and He inspires every Christian, He also enables us. Ah, this is the one I like. The Holy Spirit enables us. He enables the believer to understand and to discern truth from error. He enables us to understand Scripture. He enables you and me to serve with the gifts and the talents that we're given. He empowers, He enlightens us to live a life that is set apart from the rest of the crowd. Now here's, here's where it really comes down. Brass tacks, as we sometimes say, is that you may have all the Holy Spirit, but are you giving in to the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing Him to work His work in your life? Are you giving Him? How many times have I preached on the gifts that we have? God enables each believer with different gifts to edify the body, the body of Christ. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to use those gifts, those talents that enhance the gifts? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to use those in your life to edify the body, to get the work of the church done? The Holy Spirit inspires. Matter of fact, I wrote down a scripture verse here, and we'll read that. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Again, that's to edify the body of Christ, to make it function correctly. The Holy Spirit inspires and enables us ordinary folks, us ordinary Christians, to do extraordinary things and the believer to do uncommon things. How many times have I heard Christians say, I can't do that? How do you know? Ever try? See, the Holy Spirit may give you a gift or something you've never even tried before. I love it when it comes around to nomination times and we go around, we look for people that might be interested in leading a Sunday school class or something. Oh, I can't do that. Well, how do you know? Believe me, before we go asking people, we pray about these things. I pray about these things. A lot of times I'll tell the person who's going to go, I said, man, I've been praying about sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Maybe uh, that might be something that... Uh, I really feel God might be uh, useful in their lives that the Holy Spirit may be leading them to do. And then we get an answer, no, I don't want to do that. 
I can't do that. How do you know? You ever tried? It might come even easier for you than some of the people that are doing these things. The work of the Spirit should lead to a holy, and when we say holy, meaning set apart life. There are two ways of looking at life that we'll examine separately for just a moment to draw out these different contrasts. One is that the attitude that tries to leave God out of the picture. You can live a life, Paul puts it in Romans 8, in the flesh. You can lead life in in the flesh. And what Paul is referring to is not so much the fleshy, fleshly sexual sins, but what he's more referring to is in the word, what he uses the word flesh, is to describe the weaker part in our human nature that yields to sin. The part that we don't give control of the Holy Spirit. This is the flesh mindset that is dominated by the I, the me, the mine, mine mindset. To do what feels good. It's selfish. Everything is centered on self and how you can satisfy yourself. Some people can, e- can even do the service of God with self-seeking mindset. Did you get that? We can do service, but it still has the priority of self and not what the Holy Spirit really wants you to do. Going back to verse 7 in our focal passage, it says, No matter how hard you try to please God while you're acting in the flesh, you can't. When your minds are controlled by the flesh, you cannot please God. It's impossible. Another thing, the second thing is you can live, you can have a life lived in the Spirit. As a believer, you are empowered to live a godly life. We read this earlier, but I'm going to read it again in verses 12 through 14. It says, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's God's Spirit are God's sons. Without His Spirit, you live a fleshly, physical life. Your minds are set on earthly things. We can't help it because we're earthly creatures. But with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, we're no longer entrapped by the flesh. With the Holy Spirit as our counselor, the friend, the guide living inside us, we're empowered to rise above, to live fully in the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you know that you're really living, that you're operating, that you're functioning in the Spirit? 
Well, there's a couple of things that I want to look at. And first, let's look at some indicators that we're not living in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 17 and 18. Galatians 5, 17 and 18. Now the CSB says, For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now let's look at a couple of things that living in the Spirit involves entails number one is my life verse i did a devotion on that the other night at our picnic this time i'm going to read it out of csb galatians 5 16 says i say then walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh then we move on to uh verses 22 and through 20, uh, 22 and 23 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. She's just saying amen. I love it when children say amen, but I don't get it out of adults. Are you living under the Spirit? Are you... Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Again, we call that fruit and not fruits. They're not individuals. They are all part of one package. You got one, you got them all. Do you have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? There are those that would add speaking in tongues and, or healing, but it's the first fruits that indicate a spirit filled life simply put when you allow the spirit to live in your life to thrive in your life you're living a spirit filled life there's a story about a wealthy but miserly lady who lived in new england earlier early this century when they brought electricity to her part of the country she was among was among the first to sign up and the people in the area were amazed but the guy who reads the meters was surprised the first time he came to see how much electricity she had used he wondered if the meter was broken he went and knocked on the door and asked her if everything with her electricity was all right she told him it was he said well i was just wondering it didn't seem like you used much she said oh i don't when the sun goes down i turn on a lamp just long enough to light my oil lamps then i turn it off there are a whole lot of people who live in the spirit like this lady you have the power of god in your lives but are stingy in the way you use it. God has blessed you and me abundantly. But yet we only lose a, use a small portion of that power for living. What could your life be like if you gave up living in the flesh and really experienced the fullness of the of a life immersed in the holy spirit allowing the holy spirit to 
shape your day, your life, to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian and you're sitting here today, the Holy Spirit is within you. He's a permanent dweller. He is your strength and your life. We don't have just some of the Spirit or a portion of the Spirit. We have, we have it all. We don't need more of the Spirit. We need to yield ourselves more to the Spirit. Did you get that? We don't need more. We just need to use what we got. I wonder, wonder how much of ourselves we really give to God's Spirit. I think many of us, we try to put the Holy Spirit into a box. And we just let out a little bit when we need a little bit. Lord, I'm going through this difficult time right here. I'm going to open that box and I'm going to let out the Holy Spirit to kind of comfort me a little bit, to kind of give me some information. But as soon as I get what I need, I'm going to put it back in the box. It's not the way it works. Is your mind set on the flesh or on the Spirit? One way you'll know for sure is by examining the fruit and the mindset of your life are you demonstrating the fruit that we talked about earlier what is your mindset if you're focusing on the spirit you will produce the fruit of the spirit it's my prayer that you will find great joy It's my prayer that you'll find a spirit-filled life and understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and through you as you come in contact. Remember I said, not only does He indwell, but He also inspires. The Holy Spirit, remember, will give you the words to say when it comes to speaking to someone else. But so many times, we don't even want to give the Holy Spirit a chance. So our challenge for today is, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you say, well, that's fine, but I don't know that I have the Holy Spirit in my life because I've never accepted Christ as my personal Savior. I've never asked Him to free me from my sins, to cleanse me from my sins. Today, today's the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can come forward and you can talk to me, and I'll be happy to lead you through a a prayer and allow you to speak to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me where I have failed you. I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Today, you can do that. And then as soon as you pray that prayer, the the Holy Spirit will come and reside with you and give you this power that I've been preaching about today.
the comfort, the knowledge, the peace, all those things that we as Christians rely upon the Holy Spirit to do. Let's pray as we prepare ourselves for our invitation time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach this message. Lord, thank you for providing to us the Holy Spirit to help us, to comfort us, to inspire us, to indwell among us. Lord, I just pray that as we enter into this time of invitation that if there's someone in our midst today that does not know you as their personal personal savior that right now as the holy spirit is convicting them they have the courage to come forward and accept you i pray these things in your precious name amen stand with